Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Uh, So many wonderful people God is raising up all over the world. And we have a very special woman named Pam Stensel. Welcome, Pam. Good to be with you, Ralph. Yeah, it's good to have you. I've heard Pam speak twice at Legatus meetings, and I just think what the Lord has given you to do is just so important, and you do it so well. And I just really feel the hand of the Lord on you, you Mm. know, and, and with such courage and such clarity. Uh, Pam, she has a mission of speaking to young people about the facts about sex. Mm. And, and, but but that, I, that doesn't do it justice. Let's take a look at this little clip of, of you kind of doing what you do, and then we'll talk about how it all got started and what's going on. Today, we've got over 30 sexually transmitted diseases, 30% of them absolutely incurable. That means you get one of these diseases, and you've got it for life. Before I started speaking and traveling full-time, I spent nine years counseling in crisis pregnancy centers in Chicago and in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And for nine years, I would have girls in my office every day saying, Pam, I didn't know. And if somebody would have told me that this was going to be the result of the choice I was making... I'd have made a different choice. No one told me. I began to ask these girls in my office, what could we have said? What could someone have said to you before you made your choice that might have helped you to have made a better choice? And after nine years, I realized that there were a lot of students out there making decisions about sex, having absolutely no idea what the consequence of that choice would be. It's going to talk about today. Girls are bad at this. Guys will never say this. Girls say this to me every day of my life. Well, well Pam, I, I wasn't going to have sex, and I meant to wait, and I didn't mean to do that. You know, it just happened. Here's my favorite one, girls. It was an accident. <laughs> Hello, were you walking to get your mail naked? Some guy happened to be jogging by. He was naked. <laughs> that would be an accident. <laughs> it was an accident. My goal today isn't to decide for you what you're going to do. You all can do whatever you want. My goal is that no one would be able to leave tonight and ever again have to say to a physician, to a counselor, to a parent, to your future husband or wife, nobody told me. I didn't know. Tonight you're going to be told what you choose to do when you walk out of here is completely up to you. Well, Pam, uh, obviously you're telling it like it is. And how... Tell us exactly what you're doing and how it got started and, you know, what you see your ministry as. And Well, you know, as you heard me say there, I spent nine years working in crisis pregnancy centers, working with girls who came in for a pregnancy test. And, and to date me a little bit, I started back in the early 80s. And, and back then, we were concerned about pregnancy. It was like, well, if they're not pregnant, thank you for coming and out the door. And we were not fully aware of the unbelievable damage the sexually transmitted diseases were doing, especially on girls. And I was just getting devastated by these girls coming in. Well, I didn't know that. No one told me I could end up with pelvic inflammatory disease and cervical cancer and a hysterectomy at 20. I mean, I didn't know these things. And I started doing what we often do. Well, 
blaming everyone else for not telling kids what they ought to know. And finally, I think the Holy Spirit just puts his finger on you and says, well, quit whining about who's not telling kids something. And you go, you do it, you know. And so I started speaking and uh, about early 90s, just really, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wisconsin. The first video came out in 1993, and we subsequently produced uh, different projects. And up, we have to update with students. You have to update, as you can tell already, my hair is shorter and longer and clothes you wear get changed. So you have to kind of keep doing it over. But then I speak all over the world. My video has now been translated in 11 languages and used around the world. Uh, there are two countries in the world in which I am not allowed to say God on a public school campus, the United States and Canada. So in this country, we have to uh, take out the faith component of it. But it's still true, yeah, regardless yeah. of whether we oh, say yeah. God or not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, you were, you're starting to talk around Minneapolis, St. Paul, Wisconsin mm -hmm. area, and mm -hmm. then one thing must have led to another. It did. I just started getting a lot of calls. And when I went to my board of the Crisis Pregnancy Center and said, you know, I really believe God's calling me, you know, to do this. And, and, and at first they were like, you can't leave us, you know. And then we had a lot of time of prayer and they said, selfishly, we would like you to stay, but we know God's uh, calling you beyond that. And, and I will say that probably one of the, you know, the biggest fear that teenagers have, and, and really the reason I got started in this, was to deal with unplanned pregnancy. Pregnancy is the biggest fear of teens who are having sex, even today, you know, 30 years after a lot of a, a disease crisis here. Um, and, and pregnancy is the least of the consequences of sex outside of a marriage relationship. Pregnancy survivable. I mean, you can live through it. I've lived through it three times, you know, a few extra pounds here and there. <laughs> hasn't killed me yet. And yet I'd have girls come in for pregnancy tests scared out of their mind. And, and when I would tell them the test is negative, like they're not pregnant, they'd look at me like, well, thank you very much. And I'm like, wait a minute. Have you been tested for syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, chlamydia, trichinomas, vomodimicus, rhitis, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HPV, HIV? You've been tested for that? They're like, I live in Ann Arbor. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't live in Detroit. I mean, why, why would I need to be tested for that? Yeah. And, and they're only worried about being pregnant. And, and it's time that we, that as parents, certainly my generation, and as, as young people understand that pregnancy is the least of the consequences. But one of the reasons I got into this altogether is because of teenage pregnancy. And uh, I'm able to talk with the students about if you find yourselves preg pregnant and you didn't intend to be, you've got a lot of difficult choices. There are no easy way out. You know, the girl says, now fix this. I'm pregnant. I'm scared. I didn't want to be. And uh, they want you to fix it. There's no fix. Every choice you have at this point is going to bring pain, some worse than others. Abortion is horribly painful. And one of the things I think we're finally beginning to acknowledge as a culture, and it's probably because women are finally beginning to admit the pain that they've suffered for years uh, because of a past abortion that maybe they didn't even tell anyone, is that abortion hurts women. Abortion never fixes a problem. Not only does it take the life of in an innocent child, it hurts women. Um, parenting as a teen is not an easy choice. The number one indicator of poverty in this nation is single parent households in the age of that young girl when she began parenting alone. Teen moms. That is the number one indicator of poverty in this nation today. Mm -hmm. Serious consequences to young girls deciding to parent children in their teens. Third option a young girl has, which I happen to think is the best, not without pain, mm -hmm. is adoption. The ability of a young girl to take the child she's carried with her for nine months, loves with everything she is, to say, I want what's best for my child. I'm willing to go through this nine months of pain and probably a lifetime of some grief in order to do what's best for my child. And uh, I, I just think that is one of the most beautiful pictures of Christ-like selfless love. And, and I have a personal reason for that right here in Michigan. 
a young 15-year-old became pregnant and had a lot of difficult choices to make, maybe more so than some teenage girls. She was raped. Abortion was legal in Michigan for rape in the 60s, but this 15-year-old girl chose to give her child life and then to place that child with an adoptive family, and that child was me. Well, wow. My biological father is a rapist. I don't even know my ethnicity, but I am still a human being, and I still have value, and my life isn't worth any less than any of yours just because of the way I was conceived, and I do not believe that I deserve the death sentence because of the crime of my father. And, and I've listened to the rhetoric my whole life growing up, listened to people say, well, every child should be wanted and planned. And I've actually heard this in the church. Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't have an abortion, you know, but if it were rape, mm -hmm. you're yeah. a mistake, Pam. Yeah. You know, I don't believe that. I believe every child is wanted by yeah. someone and, yeah. and that God actually had a plan even for me. He sure did. Mm. <laughs> he sure did. And it's so wonderful that your mom gave you up for adoption and that, she didn't give you the death sentence, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it, I wear this, and some of you may have seen Senator Rick Santorum wearing his, and he has a book called It Takes a Family, mm -hmm. and we wear these bracelets, F-A-M-I-L-Y. The proceeds of these bracelets go to Father Stan in the Bronx. And, but it stands for Forget About Me, I Love You. Mm. Family is Forget About mm. Me, I Love You. And my birth mother, as a young 15-year-old, was able to forget about what might have felt good to her in the short term. And to love me enough to go through that nine months and give me a life and to give me a family. I, I tell you, I'm the oldest of eight children, seven of us adopted. The most amazing family in Michigan anywhere, if you want to look at my family, they're all still there. My mom was one of 12, nine girls and three boys. Six of those nine girls uh, had trouble having children, fertility problems. There are 38 adopted grandchildren out of the 80s. Mm. We are the United Nations, if you come yeah. to visit. It's very awesome. And I have seen adoption work, and I'm not, I'm not without pain. I mean, you know, there are, there are always a struggle. The struggle with your own biological children, by the way, much yeah. less, you know, taking on children who've had some background and some pain. But, but overall, what we've said is that every child deserves a family and deserves yeah. that chance at life. Mm -hmm. Now, I, when, when I was in high school, and I'm going to go back to the late 70s, you can maybe go back further than that, but back then... There were kids I knew that had sex. I mean, we were not this perfect. I mean, there were people who had sex before they were married. But typically, in my generation, they were kids who had been dating someone for two years, got carried away in the backseat of the car, right? And, oh, we shouldn't have done it. But, you know, and they were in pretty committed relationships, and they had sex. Average number of sexual partners for people under 30 today is 27.2. This is not what's going on with our kids. What our parents need to understand is we've got two very distinct group of teenagers today. We've got a group of teenagers who are choosing to not have sex, and they are not like my generation. I mean, I didn't have sex before I was married, but it was probably because I thought my parents would kill me. They've made a conscious value decision. That's that group of kids. There's another group of kids over here who are having sex, and they're having a lot of sex with a lot of partners completely indiscriminately. It is void of intimacy. It is void of care. It is hooking up. It's mm -hmm. friends with benefits. And as I said, the average number of partners now has become 27.2 because sex is now just something you kind of do and it's, it's not, it doesn't communicate. So we're mm -hmm. talking about that generation. If we get older, we're going to see that number go down because people mm -hmm. in my generation did not have that many partners on an average basis, right? So this is, the, this is the shift. And what parents need to understand is your child, your teenager today, is going to fall into group A or group B. There is not a lot of gray area. So if your child becomes sexually active, the chances that they're going to be in this group of students that's having a lot of indiscriminate sex is extremely high.
Mm. And uh, or your child is going to make a firm commitment to chastity. There's just not uh, uh, not an in between. Birth control, putting your daughter on hormonal birth control, increases her risk of infection with a sexually transmitted disease 10 times. A girl who is on hormonal birth control is 10 times more likely to contract a disease than if she were not taking that drug. This girl is going to end up sterile or dead. Thanks, Mom. Glad you cared. Glad you took care of that little problem. Condoms provide very little to no protection from bacterial infection, chlamydia, gonorrhea, I mean, they can on occasion. There does need to be some exchange of body fluid, but it's about 50%. Okay, that's not good. Okay, 50% of the time they're going to protect you from a bacterial infection is not good. Bacterial infections are curable. The problem is they cause infertility, pelvic inflammatory disease, and permanent sterility in women. I'm not sure most girls are into that. Uh, condoms provide minimal protection from HIV. 80, though some will say 80%. Used correctly, 80% of the time they will protect you from HIV, which is a fatal virus, by the way, uh, infecting both males and females. Uh, 80% to me, you know, if you're going to have sex one time in your life, you know, like take that bullet, stick it mm -hmm. in your gun, and put it up to your head, you know, you got a one in six chance of dying, you know. You could live, probably. Just, but if you did that every week, every Friday night for a year, now what are your chances of getting that bullet? Every Friday night you're going to pick up that gun and do this can die. It's a matter of time. It's not a matter of permanent protection. Then the most common STD out there, human papillomavirus, kills more women in the United States via cervical cancer than does AIDS. It's causing horrendous problems with hysterectomies in girls as young as 18, 19, and 20 years old. Human papillomavirus, the number one STD in the nation. 50% of our kids who've had sex are already infected with at least one strain of this virus. Completely uh, able to, to, you know, HPV can be prevented by only having sex with one person who's only been with you. The problem is condoms provide no protection at all from HPV used correctly. None. HPV and herpes, by the way, which is another very common STD, are transmitted by skin contact. All it takes is skin contact in the genital area and you're infected for life and will infect everyone you have genital contact with after that. What kids don't understand, and what we have not communicated, is that the only safe sex is a safe partner. Mm -hmm. I could have sex, at, and I know this has never been said on your show before, but we'll try and be, I could have sex a million times with my husband who's only been with me and never get a disease. Never use a condom. Never once get an STD. I could have sex once with some guy I meet at the, at the hotel over here in Detroit, use a condom and be infected forever. Has nothing to do with latex. Yeah. It has to do with a partner. But the problem is we got people out there thinking they can have multiple partner sex and if they, they would be safe by using latex. Absolutely not true. Hey, we're talking to Pam Stencil, who has done so much good to talk to so many young people about what's really going on in the area of sex today. And Pam, I'm just kind of wondering, what advice would you give to parents who kind of know that something not good is happening? You yeah. know, what can parents do to help their kids? Well, I think, let me first say that I'm a parent, so, and I have uh, three children. I've kind of lived through the high school years a little bit with my own students while I've been doing this. And one of the things I think parents have to understand, there's, there's a few really key things here. Number one is this, that I will never stand before God and answer for what my children choose to do. I will answer for what I did for how I taught, 
for the rules I had in my home, for the faith that I passed to my children. I will answer to God for me, not for them. And I think, you know, I have rules about dating in my house. They were, they were, I thought they were strict. This is what I would do. No dating at all until you're 16 at all. Don't ask, don't whine. It doesn't happen in my home ever primarily to protect our girls. The second rule I had was no single dating, one guy, one girl alone on a date at all until graduation from high school. My kids had to date in groups. I tease them four or more, 16 is my preference, just the whole <laughs> yeah. group. Go out. And, uh, and, and I, I tease, I said, I, that was a rule in my house, by the way. My parents had those rules, and I'm a semi-well-adjusted adult. And I tease kids and say, I thought group dating was fun. I got to date more than one guy at one time. I, I mean, we had fun. I mean, dating sure. was about friendship and doing things together, not yeah. this, you know, stuff that's going on now. And so I'll have parents say to me, well, those rules are really strict. Your, your kids are going to rebel. So, what'd y'all do? Have a little powwow with your teenager and ask what rules they were planning to obey? You know, because heaven forbid I would have a rule you're not going to obey. That would be far too much work. You tell me what you're going to obey, I'll have that rule. I mean, this is insane. I'm the parent when you're 42, terrorize your own children. This this is not, you know, and here's what I want to say to my generation, because we're worse. My generation. I was not called to be my daughter's buddy. She does not have to like me. This is not a popularity contest. I'm the parent. You are not. This is how it goes. And I think too many of my generation are so much more interested in being their kid's friend and their kid and they're cool. And and I don't know what it is, self-esteem crisis in my generation or what the problem is. But but that's the the other thing that I think parents need to hear is that our kids want to hear from us. And you know, it astounds me that even in the secular world, in secular psychology, and that's my background, but in the secular world, we have acknowledged that if parents talk to their kids about drug use, it makes a difference. If parents are all over their kids about where they've been and who they were around, sure. and, we, we have the commercials. I see them. We, we are already telling kids, talk to your kids about smoking. It matters. But, but you can't talk to your kids about sex because that doesn't matter. What I, my values, my looking at my children and telling them what I expect of them and why and the dangers if they choose not. I'll tell you right now, my kid will die from having multiple partner sex much quicker than he will from a cigarette. And yet in this, you know, culture, it's yes. politically correct for parents to tell their kids not to smoke. But yes. for some reason, it's not politically correct to tell your kids to wait to have sex until they're in a committed, permanent marriage relationship. It's insane. It's insane. And we talked earlier about the fact that I had a public health nurse say this. Well, Pam, good parents tell their kids not to have sex, right? But if they're going to, they should use a condom. Okay, if she did not think I was a fanatic lunatic, I looked at her and I said, here's the deal. That would be like me telling my daughter, Kara, I don't want you to shoplift. It's not a good thing. It's not right. But the most important thing, Kara, is that you don't get caught. Because I'm going to have to drag my tail end down to the station, pick you up. It's going to be on your record. It'll be in the paper. And everyone in our small town will know that you were shoplifting. So, Kara, I'm going to take you down to the mall. And I am going to teach you how to shoplift without getting caught. Now, understand I don't want you to do this. Please don't. But in case you're in the mall with your <laughs> yeah. friends and they're all doing it and you cannot help yourself, <laughs> this is how you do it without getting caught. Yeah. What have I taught my daughter? I've taught her to shoplift. And what I have yeah, said, that's true. That's true. what I've said theologically and morally is that, Kara, it's not important whether you do the right thing or the wrong thing. It's important that you don't get caught. caught yeah. right. yeah. It's important that you don't get caught. Do you understand what does it profit a man if he gains the world and yeah. loses his soul? Yeah. I am more concerned about my daughter's soul, about yeah. spending eternity with my daughter. AIDS is not the enemy. An unplanned pregnancy is not the enemy. An STD is not the enemy. A broken heart is not the enemy. The enemy is my daughter believing she could shake her fist in the face of a holy God without consequence and losing her soul in the end.
That is so true and so awesome and so little said and it's so good that you're saying it. it really well, is. people don't like you when you say things like that. They'd rather be safe and, you well, know. That's true. I mean, well, I, we, we're, we're focused on evangelization and parents are more concerned about their kids getting high SAT scores and more concerned about them getting good jobs and good, you know, m making money and et cetera, et cetera, than saving their soul. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, it's pretty much, you know, the same thing. And it's thing, upside you know, down. It's yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a line in scripture that says, you know, love wisdom more than health or beauty. And our culture is saying, oh, no, no, love health and beauty more than wisdom. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, exactly. just, it's just like totally yeah. upside down, reversed. Right. And, and, and you're coming at it from this angle, but it's, it's like a culture-wide problem in, in all kinds of areas of truth. And it really yeah. is rooted in a, a lack of reverence for God, a lack of good fear of God, a lack of understanding who he is and who we are. And, and our whole culture is shaking their fists in the Absolutely. face of God. And it's having all kinds of disastrous yeah. implications. And it's a spiral downward. And the consequence, consequences are personal, then they become familial, we, we, and then as a culture and a society, as a nation, the, the consequence, it's, it's, you know, we always talk about that little rock you can throw in and there's a ripple of good that can be done by one good act. When you sin, it does the exact same thing. You throw that sin into the lake and the ripple effect of damage that that can cause can be mm -hmm. generational. Pam, you know, I think there's a lot more that, that you have to share. Would you be willing to come back next week and sure. uh, continue the conversation? Sure, would love to. Okay, great. Until next week, this is Ralph Martin. Pam Stencil, wishing you the very best. A life lived in accordance with the truth of Christ, with his love, with his grace, with his mercy. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.